whatever it is, if you've got a dream in your heart, if you've got something you want to do, just start as small as you need to start taking those steps, one deal at a time, one opportunity at a time, one business at a time and start working towards those goals. Don't wait because it'll be over before you know it. And the last thing you want to do is be at the end of your days and look back and go, man, I wish I did. I should have, I could have. And what I'm afraid of more than anything else is when I meet, you know, God face to face. And he's like, dude, I gave you all these gifts and talents. What did you do with it? You know, you could have, you should have. I don't want to hear him say that. <laughs> Welcome to the threefold real estate investing podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, Threefold listeners, well, we've got an incredible guest today uh, with us. Uh, I know you're going um, to, he's going to take our real estate investing and uh, your faith and family relationship to the next level if you uh, take, take the advice he gives today and, and take action on it. Today, we've got uh, Greg Dickerson. Greg is a serial entrepreneur. He's a real estate developer, a coach, and a mentor. He's bought, developed, and sold over $250 million in real estate, built and renovated hundreds of custom homes, commercial buildings, developed residential mixed-use subdivisions, and started 12 different companies from the ground up. He currently mentors some of the top entrepreneurs, real estate investors, and real estate developer, developers in the country, helping them grow and scale their business. Uh, Greg's clients uh, have over $2 billion under management right now and with deals in progress. Uh, he's an expert in all topics of entrepreneurship, leadership, and real estate, and is regularly interviewed on some of the top real estate investing and, and business podcasts today. Um, Greg also serves on boards of several churches, ministries, and nonprofit organizations. So, Greg, that was a real quick overview. Um, why don't you give us a little bit more of the nitty gritty of um, maybe maybe just how you kind of got going and then uh, specifically how you got into real estate. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that that's a quick, you know, overview, adult ADD, right? Doing a bunch of different things. Yep. But uh, so basically, um, I went into the Navy right out of high school. So the only two things I've done in my life are restaurants and construction after the military and before the military. Okay. I'm a natural born entrepreneur, grew up you know, cutting grass, raking leaves. I was that kid that would knock on your door. I mean, I'm talking, you know, seven, eight years old, nine years old. I would knock on your door and say, Hey, my name is Greg. I live down the street. I need to make some money. What do you need done? I'll do anything. Uh, you know, I'll cut your grass, wash your car, whatever you need done. So in the fall and winter, I was raking leaves and pine needles. I was living in Pensacola, Florida. Summertime, mm -hmm. I'm cutting grass. And uh, my dad would charge me for using his equipment. So I had to pay for the gas and I had to pay a portion of my profits that I made uh, to use the lawnmower. So I learned real fast the cost of doing business, right? So, yeah. you know, that's kind of how I came up as a door-to-door -door entrepreneur. You know, I, I'm not afraid to knock on doors, make cold calls. Sure. Um, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, I worked in some restaurants through high school while I was waiting to go in the Navy. Uh, joined the Navy right out of high school. I did retail in the Navy. So I learned, you know, a little bit of business training there. Um, so on the ships we took care of, I was in the supply division. We took care of all of the ship stores, uh, vending machines, barber shops, uh, laundry, things like that. So that was a lot of fun and it was an interesting uh, career. But I only spent four years in the military. I got out. After I got out of the military, I was working construction and restaurants. Did that for a number of years until 1997 when I moved to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I moved down there to open restaurants. But, in, uh, but instead of doing that, I ended up getting into construction, started a little remodeling handyman company. 
um, built that in a seven-year period into a $30 million business, started 12 other companies along the way in the, in the same area. And then uh, I would invest the profits into real estate. So, you know, that's kind of a short you know, background of me. And I've got a ton of stuff on YouTube all about my background and, and more yeah. detail of what I did. Yeah. But that's the long story short. And I've been, you know, I've been an entrepreneur, self-employed since 1997. I exited that first company in 0405. And I've been just delegating, outsourcing, and developing ever since. And, you know, okay. hiring contractors to work for me ever, ever since then. Yeah. So Greg, um, real quick, going back to your dad, um, was your dad an entrepreneur? No, nobody in my okay. family. So my dad was career military, 20 years in the military. My mom worked for Blue Cross and Blue Shield for 30 years. My dad was smart though. So he did 20 yeah. years. He went in the Navy right out of high school, went and enlisted, okay. came out an officer. My grandfather was military Pearl Harbor survivor. So every wow. male in our family were all military. They all went and enlisted. So we were just salt of the earth, blue collar, working class people. That's how I came up. You know, my dad was an officer when he got out, but he was a bosun, which is when you go in the military and the Navy as a bosun, you're a grunt. That's the guy's a chip and paint and, you know, swab the deck, right? Um, and then he worked his way up and became the bosun of the ship. So he was in charge of all the laborers on the ship. A uh, lot, you know, very highly respected position on the ship, tough job. So anyways, you know, he was a tough guy. So his last, you know, several years of, of uh service, you know, one of his positions, he was the brig officer at the Pensacola Naval Air Station when we moved there. And he did that for a couple of years. So that was tough, man. I was always like, I'd get 30 days in the hole and I had to, you know, on restriction if I did something wrong and white glove inspections. I mean, he was a tough dude. And, uh, and then he ended up the port services officer after that. And that was a little bit more fun. He had tugboats and a pool, t- pool table in his office okay. and stuff. Oh, so yeah. a little well, different, but no, no entrepreneurs. All... Yeah, yeah. I was the only one. We're certainly all grateful for you and your family's service. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I just asked because, I mean, I, I just feel like he did such a valuable thing there for you at a young age of teaching you, you know, like you say, the cost of doing business. And he was definitely teaching you some good lessons. So I wondered if, if I mean, obviously I had somewhat of an entrepreneur mindset to think to, you know, teach you the cost, but, you know, you can, you can make a profit there, but there's costs that go along with being an entrepreneur. So a couple of things that my dad did, number one, when I was young and teaching me, and I hated it back then and I resented it, but as I grew older, I realized the lessons I was learning. That was one. He would take a share of everything I made. He would not give me money. Um, if I wanted money, I had to go earn it. So if I wanted something, so I was in martial arts when I was a kid and it cost money for the uniform, the belts, and the test for each new level you know, from the beginning all the way up to your black belt. So if I wanted that, I had to pay for it. So he paid for the lessons, but I had to pay for the belts. I had to pay for the testings and all that. So he'd say, look, you want something, you got to go work for it, make the money and buy it. So uh, I would do that. And if I ever did borrow money from him, he'd keep a ledger. So he would record (laughs) it and he would keep a ledger and he would charge me interest, you know, and and he said, look, I'm putting a roof over your head. I'm putting food on the table. You can pay for anything else you need. You know, you want anything beyond the basics, you got to go work and pay for it. So, you know, that's how I grew up. And I'd do chores yeah. around the house. I got paid, you know, 25 cents for every log I split. Literally, he'd get me up at 6 a.m. on Saturday mornings. I'm a teenager. We'd go out in the woods and chop down trees and bring them home and split them up into logs. And I had to do all that what work, yeah. you know. And uh, Did you, you pass know, this kind of stuff, stuff on to your kids? No, not quite, you know, and, and my wife had a different philosophy and, and yeah, I had all girls, you know, so all oh, my kids yeah. were all girls and I wanted them to do chores and, and do some things. But, you know, my wife was, you know, she's a little different mindset and didn't, re- didn't quite require as much of, of them, but, um, you know, anyways, so it was, it was tough. You know, he was tough. He was hard on me, you know, made me do all the chores, but I got paid for stuff. But what he taught me was if you want something, man, you got to go work for it. You know, he taught yeah. me how to make money 
to pay for the things I wanted. So that's kind of served me my whole life. I've never really had to worry about money because I've always known I, I know how to make money. I know how to go out and earn money. I can knock on your door and turn that into cash. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I learned how to do that at a young age. So once you have that skill, it never goes away. And that right. skill transforms and transcends into what I do now in the real estate business, development business, and, and all that entrepreneurial space. You know, I know how to create uh, something out of nothing, which is what yeah. entrepreneurship is. Yeah. And talk to people. I mean, man, getting out yeah. and door knocking, that's a great start. I mean, there's so many, you know, companies that want to teach people to be good salespeople, good communicators. It's like, just hit the pavement, man. Just go to the doors. That's yeah. hard. It's hard to do, but you learn at a young age. So Outer Banks. So um, tell us a little bit about that. What, what took you down there? Um, you know, yeah. What, what was the decision there? Was that um, a, a corporate move or, or how how'd that come about? So it was just a whole, you know, life epiphany, life change, you know, God moment. So um, I'd worked my, you know, early life. I was in the military. After the military, I had jobs, you know, so I was a W-2 guy and I was working at that time. I uh, had construction. Sometimes I'd have a side business during the day, but I was working restaurants at night as a manager. So I had a okay. W-2 job as a manager. I was climbing the corporate ladder, working seven days a week, 100 hours a week for Lone Star Steakhouses. Wow, and okay. uh, they had moved me from Virginia Beach, which is where I'm from, to Western North Carolina. And in order to get to the next level in that organization, I had to keep moving. In the restaurant industry back then, yeah. you had to move every couple, two, three years in order to rise through the ranks. And I had a number of restaurants I was supervising in the Western region. They wanted me to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And, you know, I just, I was just tired of it. My kids were young. You know, at the time they were three and five, I think it was in 1997. My oldest is 27 now. So if you do the math backwards, whatever, she was however old in 97. So, um, you know, I was missing them growing up, working all the time, gone all the time. And uh, I just said, you know what? And, and my wife's dad at the time had passed away. He was older and her mom had already passed away. And, and I said, you know what? Life's short. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life chasing some corporate ladder. I'm sick of this. I've always wanted my own business. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Knew I always wanted my own business. I love the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I grew up, you know, I'm a surfer. I grew up surfing down there and, and I always wanted to live there. So I said, you know what? I'm going to quit my job, move to the Outer Banks and open a restaurant. So <laughs> I'm making 50000 a year. I'm married with two kids. I don't even talk to my wife. I put in my notice. I come home, home and I tell her, her dad had just died, you know. Wow. With this, we're moving to the Outer Banks. I quit my job and she burst out in tears. You know, and uh, so after a couple of hours, she kind of warmed up to the, yeah, after a couple of hours of freaking out, she warmed up the idea because she knew the Outer Banks. We used to go there and she loved it. And yeah. uh, so I came down January that year of 1997 and found a job, found a house. We moved there and the rest is history. Yeah, man. A lot of life events there. And, and I, I love that though. And I think that's, I think that's a lot of people's stories similar, maybe not making quite a big, of, as big of a jump and not taking quite as massive action, but a lot of people just going, man, you know, whatever it is get some thinking life is short and, and here's something I want to do. A lot of people have that entrepreneurial spirit, but get stuck in a job. And, and, you know, a lot of people like you, Greg, doing really well at it. You know, you, you've got skills that translate in the, in the corporate world too, because you're a hard worker. So you're going to make it work. Um, so doing really well. And, and, you know, there's some people, you know, get the golden handcuffs sometimes and it's like they're stuck yeah. and, and you're, you know, like you say, you're, you're living somebody else's schedule. Somebody else is telling you what to do all the time. Um, and man, kudos to you. But I, I mean, I imagine my wife would have a very similar reaction. Yeah. It would help if I well, said, hey, you heard me say the Outer Banks, right? Though it, it is going to be the Outer uh, Banks. At least you had that going for you. You weren't moving her to 
Yeah, Oshkosh, yeah. It, you know, it uh, it freaked her out. And, I, you know, I'm yeah. a risk taker. You know, I always was wired that way. She knew I was one of my own business. But, yeah, I didn't even talk to her. I just I said, you know what? I'm done. Put my notice in. I said, we're, quit my job. We're moving to the Outer Banks. You know, so I came down and I knew. Like you said, I had skills. I knew I could find a job. So I came down and uh, got a job working in a restaurant down there the first year that we moved there. So I was still a W-2 when this happened. I just took yeah. one job and trans- transferred it for another. And I just wanted to be there. And, you know, after I got there, I started finding out there was an opportunity to create a business. And, you know, I didn't like working in the restaurant industry down there. A very different time, very different business model. And it wasn't fun at all. Because that was your plan was um, to open your own restaurant, right? That was my plan, but I didn't have any money. You know, I I didn't know how to, you know, uh, how I was going to do that. I just knew that I wanted to. And I ended up owning some restaurants along the way as well. But what I really got into was construction and real estate, which was a, a huge um, thing for me. And it was the best decision I ever made because, you know, you can only make so much money in a restaurant down here on the Outer Banks, very short season, you know, very limited opportunity. You have to own a bunch of them to do anything at scale. But with the re- the real estate and construction, man, I scaled that up fast and turned that into millions of dollars. And, yeah. you know, that, so tell that us a little propelled. bit about how you got into that. How, how did that, how that transition take place, Greg? So kind of the same way, you know, I worked that first season in the restaurants and I told my wife, I quit my job. I'm starting a construction company. She flipped out again, you know, and, you know, here, you know, but Hey, this is me at this point, you got to kind of realize what you're married to. Right. And, um, you know, so I went out and, and, you know, I had a uh, friend of mine that was, that owned some restaurants. And, uh, so I did some work in his restaurant, just doing handyman stuff, you know, so where it really started was I was, I, I bought a house and I was trying to get an addition built on my house. Nobody would call me back. I was trying to get landscaping done. Nobody would call me back. Everybody was so busy, they wouldn't even return your phone call for anything, mm. any kind of work. So I started talking to my neighbors and they're all like, oh man, it's just so crazy right now. You know, nobody can get back to you. And I said, you know what? Where there's a problem, there's an opportunity. Sure. I was handy. I had some skills. I'd been in construction, you know, my entire life and uh, had done things. I could build decks and fences and trim and stuff like that. Nothing, nothing big. I'd never built a house. And I said, I'm going to start a little handyman remodeling company. So I had a couple of friends that owned restaurants and I did some little odd jobs for them. My first job was a little deck that I built on the back of a restaurant to hold a refrigerator, made 500 bucks in like two days. And I was like, man, that was more than I was making a week. Right. I was like, you know, if I can do that, I'm set. So, um, you know, I just, I quit the restaurant thing and started my little construction company and found a name that made it sound like I'd been there forever. Outer Banks Construction. You know, you would think with that name, you'd been there forever. <laughs> yeah. So instantly, you think somebody else would have scooped that up already. Right. So, and there was a niche doing the little jobs and I got to know the builders and started networking with them and they would yeah. send me all their little jobs that they didn't want to do. And I got involved in the community and it just grew and grew and grew. And, and then I started, you know, developing uh, properties and building custom homes and spec houses and then built that up. And then, like I said, ultimately sold the company off uh, seven years later when it was doing 30 million bucks. We were one of the largest builders there and, and uh, you know, it reinvested the profits into other businesses and other assets that paid me even when I wasn't there and, and just started doing bigger and bigger deals. So tell us about some of those. What, so you're making good money uh, as a contractor and with a company. Um, and like you said, you, you, you you're, you were telling, I, I, or maybe I heard you on a different podcast, Greg, but you're saying, you know, your, your philosophy is to make money, you know, um, and, and then invest that money. So tell us a little bit exactly. about how that kind of so, got into. You're making good money you know, with a construction company. Yeah. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one of the first business books sure. I read that kind of really changed my mindset in terms yep. of investing and all that. And what I got out of Rich Dad, Poor Dad was not real estate, which a lot of people get. What I got out of it was build businesses that generate cash flow to invest in other assets. So that's what I did. And, um, you know, as I was generating cash flow and building other businesses, 
um, I would start doing real estate deals. And one of the deals I did, it was funny. One of my companies was a gymnastics uh, trampoline cheerleading school, believe it or not. I mm. love helping people. I love coaching and mentoring people. So that's how I would do my different businesses. Somebody would come to me and say, hey, I want to do this thing, whatever it is. Um, or, hey, I'm in trouble. I need help. Will you help me? So in this case, it was a uh, junior Olympic level gymnastics coach. He had a gymnastics trampoline uh, cheerleading program and he was going bankrupt. He had, about, he had about 70 kids. He knew me because I was involved in all the youth stuff in the area and I've got a real passion for youth and community and all that. And I was on the board of the rec, Parks and Rec and Babe Ruth softball and coaching every sport my kids played uh, and all yeah. that. So he calls me up, says he knows I'm a business guy and that I work with people. He said, look, man, I got this thing. Kids love it. Parents love it. But I'm about to go bankrupt and have to leave town and shut this thing down. Now, I'd had my kids in a gymnastics program here for like five years, and they couldn't even do a cartwheel. So there was a huge need for good quality gymnastics uh, coaching, cheerleading coaching, and things like that. So I came. I checked it out. I saw the kids. I talked to a few of the parents. I really liked him. And I said, you know what, Calvin? I said, let's do this. So um, I came in. I bought the business. I paid off all his debts. Uh, helped him and his wife move into a house. They were getting ready to get evicted. I mean, it was just a mess. Yeah. Uh, and then I took over the operations of the business and we grew it from 70 kids to 350 in eight months. Wow. Um, it was, and now this is in a community of like 30,000 year round people, 36,000, something like that. So very small community, very tight knit. We grew that thing fast and uh, I ended up taking it nonprofit. You know, I put them in a little 10,000 square foot, you know, uh, space, you know, industrial building. and. Um, and took it nonprofit. In the interim, I wanted to build a bigger facility, a 16,000 square foot building. So I'm gonna turn the camera around. For those of you that are listening, I'm showing my first commercial project yeah. I did as a developer. Harley. So this is a Harley Davidson building. So this is a 16,000 square foot you know, metal building. Wow. So uh, we used to keep our horses back behind it. My daughter rode horses, my middle child. <laughs> and um, this property was out in front of it, had a couple of houses on it. And um, you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to buy this property and build a building for the gymnastics school. So I bought the property and started putting the building up and, and about midway through it, you know, the nonprofit decided, you know, we don't want to take on all that overhead. Uh, you know, we'd rather just stay where we're at and just kind of keep this thing going and not have to worry about, you know, the expenses that come with, with you know, leasing 16,000 square feet when 10,000 is doing fine and owning yeah. the building. I was just going to donate the whole thing to them. Right. And, um, so I said, okay. So what we what ended up doing is they, I left them there. They they ended up going nonprofit. They took over the lease. So um, I had this building and I put it up for sale. You know, build the suit. And a local Harley Davidson dealer out of the Hampton Roads area came down, bought the property. We built it out for him. Um, it became it was an award winning dealership in terms of the design. It was patterned after the Wright brothers, um, and it's been very successful. So. This was about a three-acre property, uh, building sixteen thousand square feet. I think I bought it. Dang, I bought the property for three hundred grand or something. Spent about a million bucks on the building. Sold the whole thing for two and a half million or something. I can't remember. Not bad. Yeah, that was yeah. my first big commercial development deal. Okay, and so you know, look, looking at your bio, Greg, and hearing you on some other podcasts, th this isn't a one-off thing. This is kind of what you did. It is finding, and you were kind of mentioning it too, finding um, opportunities, uh, opportunities in people that were struggling to run a business, and it's it's you know very clear that you know how to run a business. So um, give us another example of, of a time where you, you know, found an opportunity um, in a business where you kind of took over and ran the operations and, and helped them see a much higher level of success. Now, when I say took over and run, so I never ran anything day to day. I was high sure. level coaching, mentoring, and I would put an administrator in place. So like in the case of the gymnastics program, the wife did the books. So I just coached her. 
And okay. I had my office manager, bookkeeper, coach her and get the book set up and do all that. So I never, you know, set one foot in the day-to-day operations of the space, but I was the guy there at ribbon cutting, casting the vision of what the program was with the Chamber of Commerce. You know, so I'm the visionary leader, delegator, motivator. That's what I do. Sure. So I yep. find I find great people that want to do great things and I coach them to success. So that's what I love doing more than anything else. Yeah, I love obvious. finding people that have God-given untapped potential that haven't realized it, help them unlock it, help them achieve their dreams, help them start that business, you know, whatever it is, grow and scale their business. So that's what I do. So another example would be a pool spa landscaping company. The guy um, that was running that, been working there about eight years. He was selling us pools and spas. Um, you know, we'd, we'd buy 30, 40 of them a year. So he, he came to me, he said, you know, I've always wanted to start my own business. He said, you know, I just don't have the money and I don't know how to do it. He said, why don't we do this? You, you do the business part and I'll run everything day to day. You can buy these pools and spas at cost and we'll set this thing up. And I said, okay. I said, but you know, the problem is I have to call a pool guy and a spa guy. Then I got to call, you know, um, a landscaping company. Then I got to call an irrigation company. And then I got to call, you know, an outdoor environment, you know, so I have four or five people to do the whole outdoor entertainment thing. I said, why don't we create something that does all of that turnkey? Yeah. And he's like, that's awesome. So I created the concept in the name Caribbean pools, spas and landscaping. So that's what we did. So, um, we, we brought this together. He came in, he ran the company. I came up with the logo, the design, the idea, the concept, I capitalized it. Um, and then he found us a building, uh, that we got that was owner financed over 30 years with a 30 year amortization, a little commercial building. So, um, I put up the money for all that. We moved in, um, renovated the space, built the company up, and then I sold it back to him, I don't know, four or five years later. So that was just another example of somebody who just had an idea he was already skilled. He was already working in it. And he wanted to do his own thing. He just didn't know how and didn't have the money. Um, another one was a plumbing company, my plumber that was working for me. He was, you know, great guy, good plumber, terrible business person. Yeah. And he was getting ready to go bankrupt and leave town. And he was talking to me about it one day. And, and, uh, and I said, i tell you what, I said, how about, and there was another company getting ready to go out of business. I said, how about I buy your company, pay off all your debts, you run it. I'll put an office manager in there. We'll hire all these guys that are leaving this company because they're closing and we'll instantly be the largest plumbing outfit on the Outer Banks. And he's like, okay. So, uh, so that's what we did. I bought his company, paid off all the debts. I went out to my dealership, you know, automobile dealership and financed uh, six brand new vans, had them all lettered up, put them all on the street. So like instantly overnight, he went from two trucks, him and a helper, to eight trucks on the road and uh, office manager, you know, I put him in my little office warehouse that I was working out of at the time. And he was instantly overnight, the largest plumbing outfit on the Outer Banks and went from doing, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand a year to doing over a million dollars a year as a, as a plumber. So, you know, those kinds of things. So my talent, my, my knack is I, I have a talent for finding great people that, you know, are good operators. Maybe they need a little bit of administrative support, need to learn how to become a leader, delegator, motivator. And, you know, coaching them to success and then growing and scaling businesses very fast or, you know, finding land and creating opportunity, knowing how to maximize and create value where somebody else may not have seen value. So those are some of the gifts that I have that, you know, I'm very creative. I'm a visionary. I'm a leader, delegator, motivator. I have no trouble delegating and letting go of control and letting other people thrive and do their thing. So that's kind of a gifting that I've always, I've always had. And I've just been fortunate enough to discover it early on. Yeah, that, that, that's obvious. And I mean, man, so much success so that you helped other people experience. But tell us a little bit more about that. So how do you, how do you know that these, these guys and girls or whatever that, you know, that you're 
um, you know, going into business with, um, that they were going to succeed or, and I'm, obviously you don't know, but what, what made you think, Hey, this is, this is a person, you know, let alone a business, but I'm going to invest in this person. Cause I think this yeah. person has what it takes. What, what is that? What, what, what do you see in somebody that makes you think they have what it takes? Well, they were already doing it somewhere else. So in every okay. one of these cases, you know, half of them were working for somebody and running the operation and doing a good job. And they wanted their own business, just like me. I was the same, right? I was working in these restaurants. I wanted my own restaurant. I wanted to do my own thing. I just didn't know how and I didn't have the money. So, you know, I could empathize with that. I was in those yeah. shoes. I started with nothing. I started with no money, no credit, no connections, no nothing. I built everything from the ground up through hard work, but I educated myself, even though I didn't go to college. I went in the Navy out of high school. Um, I educated myself. So I'm very self-educated, personal, professional development, business training and development, courses, seminars, books, all that kind of stuff. I don't listen yeah. to music. Never had one song on an iPod. It's always um, business stuff, personal, professional development. Uh, even now, I don't even listen to music when I'm driving in my car hardly. You know, it's all, I'm pouring into myself constantly, learning new things, uh, yeah. developing myself, getting better at everything. And uh, so anyways, I would see potential in people that they couldn't see in themselves. And, you know, again, they were already good at what they did. They knew their business. I would quiz them. I would make sure they knew their business, meaning they knew their numbers. They knew the business intimately at every level. And they were hungry. They wanted to do something. They wanted to create opportunity. They just didn't know how to do it. So, so that's what I would look for. People that, that they had to have the skills. They had to have the professional, uh, you know, industry knowledge. They had to be experts at what they were doing. Uh, and then I would fill in the rest of the gaps and teach them how to be entrepreneurs, teach them how to be leaders, delegators, motivators. So that was the first thing I would do is start their leadership training right off the bat. Okay. So if you, so my listeners are, are, um, maybe in that same spot, uh, maybe many of them are in the real estate space, if not in another space and, and they're dabbling and maybe have gotten a little bit started in real estate. Uh, but they, they want to go all the way. They, they want yeah. you know, to go to where you took these guys to take it from Hey, you know, probably not even a couple hundred thousand, but Hey, I got a couple units. I got a couple buildings. I want to, I want you Greg to take me and, and shoot me to the next level. Um, how, how do you start that? How do you start that coaching? You mentioned, um, you know, teaching them to delegate, teaching them to yeah. motivate people, um, kind of give them that vision. Um, you know, obviously they've, they've got some skills, they're hard workers. So I, I'm assuming most of my listeners are, but they don't know how to, to turn it into a million dollar business. Where, where do you start with people? So, you know, you start where you are. So sure. with whatever they have, whatever resources they have, and, you know, for a lot of people that are working, you know, that's like a business. So that W-2 income is just like income from a business. And just so people know, most small business owners barely net a hundred grand a year if they net that. So if yeah. you're making a hundred to 200,000 a year, you've got the income of a business owner. The problem is you're getting killed on taxes. So you got to switch that business model. But anyways, that's okay. a business that you can find income to invest in other assets. The key is, just keep doing more. What happens a lot of times is people will do one deal and they'll stop. And, yeah. you know, they just don't, they don't see, you know, the, where they can do more, where, where, what I do different, what I do with people different is let's do it. Let's go, you know, let's just keep doing more deals. So, you know, I started with one deal, then I did a couple and then I just did more. And, you know, at any given time, I might have eight, 10, 12 deals going on at one time. I mean, I was running at one point, my main construction company, uh, six or seven other businesses and 10, 12 other real estate deals, you know, all at one time. Wow. So yeah. doing that through others by leading, delegating, motivating others. Now, some of that multitasking comes from the restaurant industry, right? That's, that's a business you got to be able to multitask yeah. um, when you're working in restaurants. But you're, doing again, the most started, are, you're doing multiple deals because you're delegating because you had good people in place yeah. to help you run those. Deals. Okay. That's, yeah, that's exactly. a key. So, yeah. 
you know, and I learned that in the restaurant industry. So in the Navy too. So in the Navy, it's all about leadership. It's all about, you know, standing standard operating procedures. It's all about preventative maintenance systems. You know, it's all about uh, leadership, right? So, you know, the same thing transcends into business, into the business world, you know, that discipline, sure. that leadership, that delegation, that all, that all transcends well. Then when I went into the restaurant industry with Lone Star Steakhouses, I mean, I started as a dishwasher at Bennigan's, worked my way into management, went to work for Lone Star Steakhouses as a manager. Um, they gave me some great business training in terms of becoming a leader. So we read some books uh, and studied some books on management, on leadership, on delegation, you know, things like that, systems, operating procedures, drilling down in your numbers, squeezing a nickel out of a penny. You know, I mean, you watched every line item. So that transcended well into the real estate and construction industry. So, you know, that's really where it starts. It really starts with developing yourself as a leader, being able yeah. to let go of control, put your, check your ego at the door, find people that are smarter, better, more talented than you to, to fill in your weaknesses and to do the things that you can't do, aren't good at, or don't want to do. Um, and then just keep doing deals. So don't stop at one, you know, if you want to grow and scale. Now, there's nothing wrong with somebody that says, you know what, I want to keep my job and I just want to invest, you know, one property a year, you know, whatever it is, do whatever you want to do. But if you want to grow and scale, the key is you got to keep doing more deals and you got to do the bigger deals. So as you do one house, then go do two, then go do four, then go do a multifamily, then do it, you know, you got to grow and scale it from there. And that's what I did with development. My first deal was a lot flip. So I flipped a lot. Then I started building spec houses. Then I would develop, you know, a little commercial property, then a subdivision and then multifamily buildings. And then, you know, on and on and on from there. So, you know, that's kind of how it works. And then I would do multiples at one time, you know, not one or two. I'd build, you know, 20 spec houses, you know, or little infill developments, you know, things like that. Yeah. And all the time educating yourself along the way. I can imagine um, just thinking about, you know, when you get into real estate, yeah, you can do a couple houses. If you're educating yourself and you're meeting new people, you know, new people are going to challenge you. You bring people on your team. I, you know, I think it just kind of starts building on itself. You can do a house, yeah. you can do a duplex and you say, but all along you're meeting people and you meet someone that goes, oh, well, I just, you know, I did a 10 unit. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because I feel comfortable with a single family, but not a 10 unit. You're meeting people, you're, yeah. And then obviously as people are joining your team, that's make, giving you more confidence that you've got a team behind you helping you out. And here's the key. So that's one thing and that's the business side. So yeah. the other thing was finding great mentors learning from them, being a seeker of wisdom, asking good, intelligent questions, listening to the answers, and then taking action and doing what they tell you. So many people hire mentors or, or find mentors, and they don't do what they tell them. They don't take their advice. So I was very fortunate in the area I was in, the Outer Banks of North Carolina, a little resort community off the coast of North Carolina, you know, a lot of uh, wealthy people coming down, you know, buying and building beach houses. You know, it's a summer vacation uh, rental destination. So short-term vacation rentals. And that's the industry I grew up in. So what I would do is I'd go find land and I'd flip that to my investors and I'd build them houses. So I'd either buy something, tear it down and develop, or I'd, you know, just find infill lots or whatever. So I had very successful people coming down that were hiring me to do the work for them. So I started asking them, how'd you make your money? Tell me about your business. How do you run a business? How do you, you know, and I'm dealing with, you know, people that had their own businesses and then high level executives, you know, all that. So I'm learning from them all these different industries. So I would take what they told me and I applied it in all of my businesses. So I was just doing what they told me, you know, and, uh, and then I had some developers that I was working for and working with, and I learned from them by doing deals for them and doing deals with them. Now, 
a lot of people will hear this and say, oh, I'm just going to go reach out to somebody and say, hey, will you mentor me? Two things you never want to do. One, you never want to reach out to anybody and say, can I pick your brain? Don't ever do that. That's the right. biggest, fastest way to turn somebody off. Reach out and say, I'm a seeker of wisdom. I admire what you've achieved. I want to know what you know. I want to hear how you've done what you've done and become so successful. Would you have one minute to spare just to kind of share some wisdom? That's how you reach out to somebody. Never say, I'll pick your brain. Number two, never reach out to somebody and say, hey, will you mentor me? I'll do everything. I'll be your grunt. I'll do whatever if you'll mentor me. No, you either got to bring money to the table. You got to bring a deal to the table or, you know, you got to be doing something for somebody as a service. Nobody's going to take you on just because you're willing to put in sweat equity. It's just not going to happen. You might find some family members that'll do that, you know, but you've got to do something, you know, in terms of bringing, you know, they say, you know, like the industry buzzword is add value, you know, add value to somebody. You can't add value just by being somebody's boots on the ground. There's no value there. I can hire anybody to be boots on the ground. If you want equity and you want my time, you got to bring money to the table. You got to bring a deal to the table or you got to be the operating individual in that deal. And if you're going to be the operating individual, you got to be knowledgeable and successful at what you're already doing, you know? So, I mean, I love helping people, but I'm not going to waste my time. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say, you know, I'll be your boots on the ground, do whatever it takes, but they really don't. They really, really aren't willing to. So, you know, just, just whoever's listening, just understand those differentiators when you're reaching out to people and what turns people on, turns people off and why somebody will help you. Like to your point, why would I help somebody? They either already had their own business or they were already working in the industry and they had real value to offer. They were experts. They knew what they were doing. You know, um, I almost never had anybody, in fact, never that wasn't already doing it that came to me. And I just, you know, just because it's a waste of time because they're, they're not serious about it. if They haven't taken the steps to educate themselves or get started in the industry to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's so easy. I, I feel like a lot of those people that come to the mentor, they want to skip some steps. Like, I think a lot of people want to go to the mentor and say, I want to be where you're at. So can right. you help me like skip some steps and like jump up to where you're at? And I think it's like, you you can't do that. You have to go out and do it first. So if you want to yeah. be, you know, where Greg is, if you want to be where somebody is that's buying a hundred unit apartment buildings, that go buy a house, you know, like you said, like, just get going, get, get doing something, then do a little bit more build up. If you go to that person, you've bought, you know, a lot and, and Hey, I, I'm trying to do a hundred unit because I've done all this stuff first. Hey, maybe we can partner on this deal. You know, I've actually become an expert over the past few years because I've done all this instead of, you know, coming to them right away. Hey, I just want to jump to hundred unit. I don't want to have to do all the hard stuff that you did. So can you help me skip all that? It just, to me, yeah, it seems yeah. like that's kind I'll, of I'll be investor relations. If you teach me how to do it. No, you come <laughs> to me with investors, then that's different, yeah, you know, sure. but, but to your point, so I don't want people to get confused. Okay. You can start wherever you can start. So if your knowledge and abilities and, and financial resources are one house, then start there. If it's one small development, start there. If you can do 100 unit, 200 unit, or 500 unit, start there. And sure, people do start there. So there are professionals that may be watching or listening to this at some point that come from a background and have the financial resources to start at higher levels. So, you know, you, you can start wherever you're comfortable based on your expertise, your financial resources, and your network. So you don't have to start with one house. You can start with 200 unit buildings. You know, I know a group of guys that came from uh, BlackRock. Um, you know, equity, real estate equity, and, and yeah. a couple of other institutional equity firms that did real estate, they they hadn't done any deals on their own, but they came together and they built up 5,000 units in like seven years and built up a portfolio and sold it off. They started with two, three, 400 units. 
but they came from a background in that world. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and they had the network uh, and the, the, yeah, the capital yeah. probably bringing they knew right how to raise capital. They knew the yeah. business, you know, they'd already been doing it on an institutional level and then they just went and did it for themselves. So, I mean, I've seen people start at really high levels, but you know, most of the syndicators out there and most of the multifamily people started in like the residential space, flipping houses, you know, yep. wholesaling, flipping, then they transitioned into business, value add yeah. uh, multifamily, which is flipping apartment buildings. Yep. Yep. So great. I, I know you're a very successful uh, mentor um, hired out by some of the top, um, you know, guys in the space. I know kind of a, a legend here in Cincinnati is Joe Ferris. And I know he's, he's um, used your services before I uh, saw his blurb yeah. on, on your website. So um, other than somebody, somebody like him, who, who should get a mentor? Who, who everybody. should everybody, anybody, any, everybody any who's place. serious about accomplishing something and wanting to number one eliminate mistakes number two fast track you know yeah. and grow and scale quicker you know you can skip some you know learning mistakes you know there's yeah. no steps to skip you got to get out and do it but a mentor is going to they're going to save you a bunch of time money energy effort they're going to fast track you you know you're, you're going to be getting the benefit of all the mistakes they made you know um, everybody thinks it's what you know and who you know I'm going to tell you the biggest thing is it's what you don't know or what you think you know that's not true. Those are the two yeah. biggest things that are going to cost you the most and hold you back the most. And there's so many people that are just down on mentorship and bashing mentors. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for mentorship, I would have never been able to do what I've done. And if I had me when I started out, and, and if that was even a thing, I'd, I'd have been a billionaire by now. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, because what I know now that's possible, and I'm 52, so I'm in a different stage of my life. I'm, I'm not willing to take the kind of risk now that I used to take 20, 30 years ago and would be willing to take to get to that level now, you know, because you got to put it all on the line as you go along to get to certain levels. And there's ways to hedge that, but I'm in a very different place in my life right now. And, and I've done what I've wanted to do. And now I'm at a point where I'm giving back. I'm looking to help people and, you know, I'm looking for impact um, and legacy in terms of what I've learned and what I know and, and to be able to pass that along. And, um, you know, so it's interesting when you look back on that, you know, mentors like me just weren't out there yeah. during that period. There were a few people selling courses and there were a few books and seminars, but it wasn't like it is today where you can find some really great mentors that, you know, can really fast track you and take you to the next level. They were in the business world. So my mentors too, there's a couple of ways. Some of them were like paid mentors. That's what they did. Others mm. were people that I hired that worked for me, my employees. I mean, I, my CFO was a $200,000 a year guy. So, you know, my CFO mentored me in terms of financials and how to raise capital, how to, sure. you know, structure finance, how to structure deals, how to read the financials and, you know, package all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that was a mentorship. The people that I hired that ran my building company, I'd never built a house before. I hired great people that were already doing what I wanted to do for a company that was the largest builder in the area. I hired their top people, brought them in. They mentored me on the building business and how to build a building company. You know, okay. I'm just a fast learner and I've got zero ego. I, you know, when, when I bring you on board and I use sports analogies all the time, you know, when I bring you on board to do something, well, I bring you on board and let you do it. I coach you and I'm your, I'm your cheerleader. I, I let go of control and I'm like, dude, go get them. And you know, last thing I'm going to do is hold you back or tell you what to do or not let you do your job or not take your ideas. If you want to win a Super Bowl, what do you do? You do what Tampa Bay did. You go get Tom Brady and you bring him on board. And you don't get Tom Brady and bring him on board and say, okay, I want you to throw this route. I want you to throw that pass. I want you to swing out and play wide receiver every other play to fool people. No, you bring Tom Brady on because you, you know he's got six Super Bowl rings. 
He sure. knows how to get to the Super Bowl and win it. So you bring Tom Brady on and you say, take us to the Super Bowl and win it. I don't care what you got to do. You know how to do it. Let me know when you're done. You know, that, that's kind of how it works. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's how I did it in every business that I've ever built. You know, those were my mentors, paid outside of my companies, people that work for me in the companies, and then books, courses, seminars that I went to became mentors in my life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So no, no excuse for anybody because anybody can do the books, the, the, the courses, you know, stop listening to music, listen to that stuff while they're driving like you're doing. Those can be your mentors. And then as soon as, as, soon as somebody can afford it, then, I, you know, then maybe they can, they can pony up and pay for a, a true mentor that really gets them going. And there's a lot of junk question? out there too. So you got to be yeah, careful. There are sure. a lot of scam artists and a lot of charlatans out there. And, and, you know, those are pretty easy to spot. So, yeah. you know, look for, you know, number one, who's, who's the clients that the mentors coach and what are they saying about them? You know, that kind of thing. And what yeah. kind of experience do they have? So you want right. somebody who's, you know, done and doing what it is you want to do that has legitimate client, you know, clientele, right. you know, that are willing to, to give testimonies and that kind of thing. So, you know, there, there's a lot of noise out there, but when it comes to high level real estate mentorship, there's only a few that are doing a really good job. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, Greg, you've given us so much uh, great information and advice that we can act on. I really appreciate that because I know yeah. if everyone listening uh, takes action based on what uh, you've shared, they can uh, see some significant results, but um, here at threefold, uh, we also, uh, we want to crush it in real estate investing, but we also want to crush it in life um, with uh, relationships that are most important to us with our family, with our faith. Um, so I want to shift gears here a little bit and talk about how um, being in real estate specifically, uh, making that transition for you uh, to just, just being an entrepreneur. Um, how has that affected you? You talked about how it was, you know, a little bit rocky at first because, you know, you took a big risk. Um, but how has being an entrepreneur and not, uh, you know, getting out of the, the restaurant industry and, and working 100 hours a week and having someone else tell you what to do. How's that affected your relationships with, with your wife and with your daughters and your family? You know, so it's afforded me, um, you know, when I was in the corporate world, I was gone all the time. I'm a hard worker. So, you know, I, you're going to pay me, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the first one in, the last one out, and I'm going to outwork everybody, right? And even yeah. in my businesses, I have the same philosophy. But as an entrepreneur, you, you know, it affords you the ability to do whatever you want, whenever you want, but you still have to answer to your clients, you know, your employees, you know, because you're the leader. You know, when you own an organization, you know, you're the leader. You have to give everybody everything they need to be successful, tools, training systems, and support. Uh, you're there to serve that organization. It's servant leadership. So, you know, yeah. you're at the bottom of the pyramid, that corporate pyramid. I flip it upside down where the CEO's at the bottom serving up. So you have to serve everybody in that organization. So there's a whole mindset out there where people want to be an entrepreneur so they can work, you know, two hours a week on their business or whatever. That, that's just not reality. You know, when you take on a business and you have employees, you got to show up for them. You got to know what's going on in your business. You got to keep your finger on the pulse, lead, delegate, motivate, and be involved in what's going on. Now, there are some stuff, you know, businesses you can do that, you know, absentee ownership, franchises, sure. stuff like that, that don't require a lot. But in general, those people are counting on your leadership, you know, to help them, especially right now during times like this, get through it. So, yeah. you know, first and foremost, it was, it was understanding what a servant is. And, you know, that comes from a faith perspective, you know, Jesus came to serve, right? Not be served. So when you take on a servant's heart and a servant's uh, leadership role, you understand that you're there to serve, help, others, help them be successful, set them up for success, give them everything they need to be successful, serving them. Um, but when you are the CEO, you, you know, you can take care of things that you want to take care of when you need to. So I was able to coach all my kids sports. I was there for every nice, event yeah. that they had in their lives during school. Um, you know, every play, every birthday party, every recital, didn't matter what it was. And I had three girls. 
And I mean, I coached literally every sport that they played and I'd go from one practice to the next. And, you know, and if I wasn't coaching that one, because I was coaching this one, I was in the stands after I was done, you know? So, you know, I was able to be there for my kids every step of the way as they were growing up. Uh, I was able to take my family on vacations and spend time with them and, and all that. And so were my employees. I always gave my employees, you know, four weeks a year off paid Wow. Yeah. between vacation, sick leave, you know, mental health days, whatever you want to call them. Um, so I believed in that. I believed in taking time off, being with your family. We didn't, we close all of our businesses. We would close for a week at Thanksgiving, two weeks at Christmas. Now that was my real estate and development companies, you know, obviously restaurants, you can't do that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we would close on the major holidays, but uh, retail restaurants had to stay open. But my other companies that were service-based professional services or, um, you know, construction oriented companies, that's what we did. We would take, you know, four weeks off a year so that people could be with their families and have that time. That's awesome. So yeah, just getting that time. And that's, that's what I love about it as well. I mean, just being able to, you know, so I like to get up early and as an, as an entrepreneur, you can get up and you can do your work whenever you want. I mean, if I'm working yeah. for somebody, maybe I get up at four in the morning, but I, you know, you can't go into the restaurant if it's not open. So it doesn't matter that you're willing to get up. I love being an entrepreneur where I can get up when my kids aren't even up, I can get work done before they're up and I'm not missing any time. So I'm up working, yeah. you know, and, and that's just like you say, you know, you've got that flexibility. You get to do it when you want to do it because I know I got to get up. I got to get after it this morning and all early afternoon because I'm taking off, you know, later this afternoon because I'm going to practice because I'm the coach and then I'm going to my other daughter's Yeah, room. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, it gives you the, it gives you the time to, to do those things and to be there and be present and be involved yeah. and, you know, relationships are everything, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, in every aspect of your life, your family, your friends, your community. So I was able to, to lead in all different capacities in, in my community serve on the boards of nonprofits and churches and things like that. I was the chairman of the trustees at my church, taught Sunday school, led youth group, built the youth group, you know, um, did a lot of things with the other churches in the community. You know, I'm, my passion's always been uniting, you know, churches, uniting youth groups and doing big projects. So it gave me the, not only the financial resources to be able to do things, yeah. but also the time to be able to do things. So, you know, especially when you're a passive investor, you know, if you're investing passively, man, it gives you even more time, you know, so I'm not saying you have to have a business that's operating in order to do this. You can leverage your investments that, that, that create passive income that gives you the time to do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. And then be truly passive. Yeah. If you're just investing passively. Well, t tell us a little bit, Greg, um, you're, you're, you've mentioned a couple of times you're a man of faith and a, a Christ follower. So, um, how has being involved in, uh, real estate and that, and, and being an entrepreneur, um, affected your, your, um, your faith? You know, God will provide, right? So just believe and achieve. So whatever, whatever, you know, just having that belief and that faith that, you know, God is with me, nothing can be against me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know, to my favorite mm -hmm. verses, you know, just understanding that I was created for a purpose. I was created for a reason. And if I just go out and take some risk and believe in myself and believe that, you know, no matter what, I'm going to be okay. You know, that was a big part of it. Just having faith that I was created to do these things, knowing yeah. that I ended up where, doing what I was doing for a reason so that I could give back. I could have impact. I could help other people like what I'm doing now. You know, um, I mean, I could go out and do deals all day long, which I am, but I have this desire and this hunger to help other people, to coach other people, mentor other people. I have, I've had that my entire life. You know, where does that come from? You know, God gave me that gifting and that ability and that desire. You know, when you commit your ways to the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart, meaning those desires will change. And yeah. I love building people, 
building companies, building things. And I've always been in a position my entire life to be able to do that through other people. So it's, it's really phenomenal how that works. And when you look back on your life and you connect the dots and you look at your talents and your gifts and your abilities and the situations that you ended up in and being put in, there's no other way to explain it. So yeah. knowing that and looking back at all the challenges that I've had in my life, you know, God has always been there and God's always been like, the, you know, right there next to me in my seat, you know, where I'd be like, all right, God, we've got this deal, man. It's going this way, that way, you know, what do we do? How do we handle this? You know, give me the wisdom. I mean, I pray for wisdom every single day to be able to lead others, help others, guide others, make these deals happen, do them the right way. And I'm not saying, you know, pray to God, believe in God, and he's going to make these deals happen. That's not All what right, I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is having the faith to know that no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I, it's clear that you've, you've uh, adapted, adopted that servant, servant leadership uh, that you talk about, you know, and that you can follow in the example of Jesus Christ. And um, it's, all, you know, like, like so many say, I think it's um, um, Zig Ziglar. I think he's the one that says, um, if you want it, you can get whatever you want it, as long as you help, uh, you know, a ton of people get what they want. And it, you know, I think that's, that's kind of, that's, you know, Zig Ziglar's a, a Christ follower as well. Yeah, and I think and they, they not in that. a, you know, and like give and it will be given unto yeah, you. So, but, so that's where that comes from. And Z I love Zig Ziglar, one of my first people that I studied and learned yeah, from outstanding but, you know, again, that's not in a manipulative way. Sure. Right. Sure. Yep. So it's giving from your heart, you know, unselfishly and expecting it will come nothing. back to you. Yeah. Tenfold. Not expecting anything, and, but yeah. Right. And it may not be does. monetarily. So yeah. it could be right. just in, you know, how you feel. It could change your life in so many different ways. And it can be monetarily. You know, the more you give, the more you have to give, you know, and with great wealth comes great responsibility and things mm -hmm. like that. So you know, helping other people ultimately helps you. And it's not just financial, it's a lot of different ways. So, you know, you don't want to be flippant or manipulative about it and say, okay, I'm going to go donate because I'm going to get money back. Right. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But the scripture is clear, the Bible's clear, and there's a lot of philosophies out there that are clear that the more you help other people, call it, you know, God's will, call it karma, call it whatever you want, universe lining up. Um, when you put good out into the world, good comes back. When you put bad out into the world, bad's going to come back. So it works both ways. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think a lot of that's relationships. I mean, you've, you've, you've put a lot into these relationships and those people put that back into you and, and make the business successful with these guys mm -hmm. that you, you partner with. Another thing I really like that you said, Greg, um, is just that the way God gifted you and that you're using that. And you know, it's something I found, uh, luckily through, through some good friends at church, um, where I was just really struggling with, well, you know, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? And, you know, thinking that kind of like, um, like a missional thing and, and what should I do, but just realizing, well, God wants me to do what, what I've, what he's created me to do. And, and I know that because these are the things I really want to do. These are the things I'm passionate about. And it, I think you're just a great example of you found that and you took a big leap. You decided to say, God made me to be an entrepreneur. Like that's just, that's so obvious to me. I've got to go do that. And, and when you do that, you know, you're able to put so much more energy and, and passion into it. I, I just give such a better chance to be successful when you're doing what God created you to, you to do. And, and you know, because it's, it's the things that you want to do. God makes you passionate about it because that's what he created you to do. And, and you just went after that. And I think, I, you know, I, I hope more people do that. Uh, Cause I think, you know, you just got so much better of a chance to be successful, but really live a, a, a meaningful, um, exciting life. Yeah. Commit your ways to him and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I didn't grow up in church. You know, my parents didn't okay. go to church. My mom was all over the map. She, she's, she's a hoot. She, one day she was, you know, 
a Buddhist. Next day, she's, you know, Edgar Casey, And, you know, <laughs> so uh, they finally, you know, came back to their faith in their late years. And my dad passed away a number of years ago. He's only 72 when he died, 73. Mm. Um, very healthy, very young brain tumor, quick, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have been through that. But anyways, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, that, that, whole, <clears throat> that whole thing. I've just always known, it's always been on me that I want to be an entrepreneur, that I have these abilities and these talents, these gifts that I've been given that I need to be able to use to their fullest. And, um, you know, the things that you're created to do will be in your heart. It will be your desire. So a lot of people say, yeah. you know, do I have to go to Africa and serve on mission in order to be a good Christian or to be whatever, you know, how do I know I'm called to that? You'll know because it'll be in you that you'll have this hunger, this desire that, man, that's what I got to go do. And other people will tell you that and it will be confirmed. So yeah. way to know what, what God is calling you to do whatever's coming easy, whatever's just coming supernaturally out of the blue. And I don't mean supernatural, like hocus pocus. I just mean, you know, something other than like what naturally occurs, something that's just right. totally random. You know, when things just start coming to you out of the blue and happening and the doors are just opening and things are easy, then you kind of know you're in alignment with what God has in store for you. Yeah, and I if you're that. coming up against obstacles and the doors are closing and there's resistance and it's hard and, you know, unnaturally hard, you know, and, and it just seems like, man, I just can't do this no matter what. That may not be what you're called to. Now, I'm not talking about giving up on something that's difficult. I'm talking about straight up resistance where no matter what you do, it ain't working. That kind of tells you you're not heading in the right direction. So, you know, you want to shift that. And for everybody listening, you know, mission is right here at home. Ministry is right where you are. God wants you to be in ministry if you have a faith where you are, from where you are, and mission can be right here at home, in, in your own backyard, in your own neighborhood, in a lot of different ways. So I've also been very fortunate to know I've been called to ministry, but not in a formal capacity. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to, you know, I served in church, but I'm not going to be the pastor. I'm not going to go start a church, right? I'm not a preacher. I'm way more effective in the corporate world as a minister than I am, you know, behind the pulpit in a church. And I speak in church all the time and have, but, you know, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I lead men's groups. Um, you know, uh, and do different events and outreaches and things like that on a regular basis. Been doing it for, you know, a couple of men's groups in town every Tuesday morning and every Thursday morning at eight o'clock um, for 10 years. And, you know, we meet, there's 60, 70 men show up. We talk about the Bible. We talk about faith. We talk about the life and work. And it's just open to anybody. And we have people of all ages and all backgrounds and all, you know, some are retired, some are, you know, self-employed, some are working, um, yep. you know, One's at the most expensive country club in the area. The other one's at a hotel, you know, so um, we're reaching people all over the community. I reach cool. people through my work and business. I've always shared my faith, you know, in business and at, and at work with people. And I've never, you know, been afraid to do that. And it's never, ever cost me anything. Like a lot of people worry about it. And, uh, you know, people have admired the fact that, you know, I share my faith with them. Now, I don't say, hey, do business with me because I'm a Christian or you can trust me because I'm a Christian. What I say is, you know, hey, these are the things I believe in. These are the values that are important to me. And this is how I guide my life and my business. And, you know, people will ask, hey, you want to meet on a Sunday? No, Sunday's family time. You know, we go to church, we spend time together. And, you know, my faith is important to me in business and in life. And, and it's a priority. So for me, that's how it's, it's all, you know, always it's always been integral with what I've done. Yeah, that's awesome, Greg. Well, I was going to um, normally ask, uh, give us a, cre a key ingredient uh, to being successful in uh, real estate investing, uh, maybe just entrepreneurship in general, but I feel like you've given us so much. I mean, you talked about becoming an expert in your field. I think one thing you hit on so well um, is just how to develop as a leader. And that's something yeah. you've done and then coach people to do. 
Uh, so I think obviously that, you know, that's, that's such a key ingredient. If you really want to turn it into a business, I mean, if you just want to do it by yourself, I guess, and you're just flipping, like you said, one house a year or something, you're going to do it all yourself and maybe you don't need to, but if you really want to scale it, you really want to do something big. You really got to develop as a leader that that comes with letting go of your ego, hiring people smarter than you and letting them go, you know, a be a seeker of wisdom. Yeah. you know, be a seeker of wisdom because you never know. All it takes is one idea. And this is another gift I have with people. I can sit down with people and dissect their business model and their operations and what they're doing and their whatever business philosophy, investments, whatever it is, and very quickly find one idea or one shift or one little tweak that just changes the entire trajectory of their life and their business. Mm -hmm. And if you look at like what people say about me and my testimonials over and over and over, one conversation just changed their entire perspective, trajectory, business, you know, whatever. And it's not that I'm just this great thing. It's just, I've got all these different experiences and different ways of looking at things. And I, man, I pray for wisdom all the time. So I'm able to look into people's businesses and their lives and help them find tweaks that, you know, sometimes you just can't see. Right. And it's always hindsight. You know, you just can't see it when you're going yeah. through it, but when you're looking back, you're like, dang, you know, why didn't I think of that? And, uh, so that, that's what's really cool about that is being a seeker of wisdom. So whoever you're with in every situation, there's always something to learn, always something new to know. And networking is about listening, asking intelligent questions, and being genuinely interested in the other person. That's how you gain yeah. wisdom, knowledge, and insight that will take you to the next level. Yeah, that's great. Love that. It, uh, anything more you'd say, and again, you gave us so many good ones, but anything you'd say is a key ingredient in maintaining faith and family as your priority while you're working so hard and building com companies? Make it a priority. So whatever yeah. is important to you, uh, make it important to you, right? So there's a lot of people that, you know, will miss a birthday or miss an anniversary or, or just can't make it to whatever, but they don't miss a tea time, right? So, yeah. you know, make sure you make it a priority. If your faith yeah. is important to you, prove it. It needs to be a priority in your life. And I'm not saying you got to go to church every Sunday and you got to do this Bible study. And you, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is let the the principles of faith guide your life. So if you're going to be a man of faith, a woman of faith, a person of faith, and you're going to make that a priority in your life, make it a priority. Study your Bible, read, you know, be a doer of what it says, not just an observer, right? So yeah. put, put feet to your faith and get out there and serve others and help others and be genuinely interested in helping others succeed and serving others and make it a priority. And then everything else will take care of itself. Yeah, love that. Thanks for that, Greg. I'm gonna I'm gonna fire a couple quick questions at you just to sum it up here. Um, what what's a favorite quote? You mentioned a couple. What what's one of your favorite quotes? Yeah, so I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and uh, yeah. if God is for me, you know, no one can be against me. Against me, I love it. What about uh? Again, you mentioned a couple of these, but what's what's the if you had to gift a real estate book to somebody, what would you recommend there? Real estate related, maybe business related. So obviously, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, for people who haven't read that, that's, you yeah. know, one of the most fundamental, instrumental ones. Um, Maverick Real Estate Investor by Sam Zell is a great book. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and there's other books in the Rich Dad series that cover real estate that are really good as well. Yeah, sure. How about a, uh, a faith slash family related book recommendation? Yeah, so faith slash family, um, you know, so... Uh, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. He also mm -hmm. has Purpose Driven yeah, Family, Purpose Driven okay. Business. So his Purpose Driven stuff is really good for family life mm, and business. business. Um, yeah. And then for business books, you know, I've read Truett Cathy's uh, biography, great okay. book, you know, talks about his faith. Um, one of my mentors is um, Cal Turner Jr. He's a billionaire. 
uh, grandson of the founder of Dollar General. Very strong faith. There's a YouTube video interview that I did about him talking about his faith and business and his journey. But he wrote a book called My Father's Business, which is interesting because it's his dad, his grandfather, his dad. That's who started the company, Dollar General. Um, but the book is really about his faith journey and God as his father giving oh, them the wow. business because his grandfather, mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil it, but his grandfather had like a third grade education and started Dollar General, which yeah. is now this, you know, huge, you know, Monster. I don't know how many billions, hundreds of billions of dollars they do in sales. It's incredible. That is, yeah. Um, how, how do you like to give back? What, what's your favorite way to give you back? You know, by... Um, you know, obviously traditional means I do support a lot of different organizations and, you know, faith-based as well as non-faith-based organizations, charities, mm -hmm. nonprofits, things like that. Through serving, leading, I'm on the boards of these things. I give advice uh, and consult with them on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I'm kind of known in my community. A lot of the ministries reach out to me about their buildings and their real estate and their finances and stuff like that. Me. So I help, yeah. help in that regard. Um, and then, you know, coaching, you know, throughout the years, coaching sports and things like that, you know, coaching and mentoring people and, uh, you know, helping people, you know, impact the world and the community through their businesses and their lives as they, you know, transcend their entrepreneurial investing journeys. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, using your skills uh, for all mm -hmm. kinds of things. So, um, yeah, Greg, a lot, of, a lot of my listeners are, are uh, people of faith. Um, how might myself and my listeners uh, be praying for you in the coming weeks? Wisdom. So I need wisdom to help others. So that's my number one prayer. You know, God, give me the wisdom to, to help others, to lead others, to help them make the right decisions, to give them the right words they need at the right time. Put me in the path of the right people at the right time so awesome. that I can yeah. help them. That's what I look for more than anything else. I love it. I love that. Um, and, and Greg, I, um, you, you obviously offer some services, obviously, um, that we talked about before. What's the best way for uh, the listeners to reach out to you and find you? So my website, gregdickerson.com, everything is on there. I've got a YouTube channel, okay. podcast. I'm on LinkedIn, right. Facebook, Instagram. So I put out content every day that, uh, that people can check it out. And I also, you know, uh, post content for people if you want to make comments and, and if there's something you want to know that you want me to make a video on, if you have a question, if you have a comment, whatever, uh, just post in my comments on YouTube and stuff. And, and okay. I'm making content every day for people. Yeah, I looked into that, some of that content. You, yeah, you put out some great stuff, Greg. It's awesome. So we appreciate that. Well, hey, I can't, couldn't thank you enough for coming on. Um, you've shared uh, so much great wisdom uh, from, from your experiences uh, with, with myself and my listeners, and uh, we appreciate it. So take yeah, care. I enjoyed being here. And I'll give everybody who's watching one last look. So, yeah. you know, this, this all started with a vision. You know, this project, this property, you know, it started, I flipped a little lot, you know, had a little vision, and uh, my vision expanded, my portfolio expanded, my investments expanded. So, you know, just start where you are. That's the key. If I can leave everybody with anything today, I don't care what you're doing, whatever it is, if you've got a dream in your heart, if you've got something you want to do, just start as small as you need to start taking those steps, one deal at a time, one opportunity at a time, one business at a time and start working towards those goals. Don't wait because it'll be over before you know it. And the last thing you want to do is be at the end of your days and look back and go, man, I wish I did. I should have, I could have. Yeah. And what I'm afraid of more than anything else is when I meet, you know, God face to face and he's like, dude, I gave you all these gifts and talents. What did you do with it? You know, <laughs> you could have, you should have. I don't want to hear him say that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's a parable of the talents and he, he got pretty upset when the guy just, just sat on his talent yeah. uh, until he got back. So yeah, you're obviously not doing that. So that's a great motivation for all of us. And I, I couldn't say it better myself. So we'll, we'll go out on that note. But you have the last word, Greg. Thanks that's again. It. Awesome. Take care. 
Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.